Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Adam Morgan. The National Fair Housing Trends Report indicates over 28,800 complaints of housing discrimination were officially filed in 2017. Three leading complaint types were from people with disabilities, 57%, followed by race and family status. Coupled with the challenge of discrimination when seeking to locate a place to live also include the possibility of mortgage discrimination. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. For the last seven years, the Denver Metro Fair Housing Center has been working to eliminate discrimination in housing while supporting housing choice for everyone through being a voice for advocacy, education, and enforcement. The Fair Housing Outreach Specialist for the Denver Metro Fair Housing Center is Ms. Dendi Wade. Not anything we hadn't heard before. Um, I think you see the same thing happen in, in a different way. So we did get a lot of questions just about affordable housing in general, um, and that gave us the opportunity to explain that affordable housing and fair housing are different. You can have affordable housing, certainly, that is not fair, which Mm -hmm. is what we are absolutely seeing in the city and county of Denver. So Mm -hmm. everybody is worried about affordability, and then if they're pushed out where they can go, and then if they do go and some landlords may not want them, then the issue of fairness comes into play. That's right. Or sometimes the issue of fairness comes in just with the application. Who are they allowing to apply? Who are they dismissing from even applying? Who are they dis- who are they denying when they apply? If they check a certain box in terms of um, criminal history, things like that. And so that's uh, that's the first way you're seeing the discrimination. Either, in the application? Oh, yeah. Either not even being offered an application or, or being lied to about availability. Um, or you see that uh, have you, you know, been charged with a criminal offense and the people check that box, yes, they, in their minds, think that they're already out. And um, that's one example of um, a fair housing discriminatory practice that is actually untrue is if you've been arrested or charged, landlords cannot deny you based on your criminal history, only convictions. Really? Yes. Are we seeing a lot of that happening? Because these, I mean, these days people <laughs> were were charged for you know, marijuana possession once upon a time. That's right. Or, and, and, and some of those records are still there, even though it's decriminalized now. Correct. Or uh, you'll see, you'll have a landlord say, well, I see, you know, 10 charge, 10, 10 petty charges. And it's, and it's kind of doesn't matter. 10 petty charges is not even one conviction. Yeah. Um, charges are dropped all the time for a number of reasons. Charges that should have been dropped are not officially processed for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, and that shouldn't disqualify somebody from qualifying for housing or being able to apply for housing. Are you finding that there's a higher incidence of housing discrimination among maybe younger people in their 20s and 30s who may have had encounters, more encounters with the law than older people may have had that's preventing them from finding places to live where they want to be? Personally, I, I've seen that because my previous position was as a housing coordinator, housing former foster youth. So I can tell you absolutely without a doubt, yes, um, our young people were discriminated against all the time, which is why our program exists in the first place. They needed an advocate. They need someone to help them through that process to make sure that they get the same chance as the guy behind them. Yeah. Uh, since joining this job, I do once a month, I go down to the Inglewood Public Library uh, with their coffee and conversations, and I'm hearing the opposite issue with the older population, especially having issues remaining in their homes or being rehoused 
because a, a landlord will ask for 20 years of criminal history, things like that, things that are really absolutely illegal. You can ask for seven years. You cannot ask for a charge from 1965 or a conviction from 1965 uh-huh. to determine whether a person is eligible or ineligible for housing. I'm sitting here with my mouth open that even the application process has gotten to be that wide with that much detail. Yes, it's the weeding out process. And they, they want to know as much as a, an applicant will give them. Um, and if applicants don't know their rights, they're going to fill out that and they're, they're going to fill out every single box because they just want a place to live. Yeah. Wow. Now, you said that you you went to the Inglewood Public Library. That immediately clicked in my mind. Are we seeing more housing discrimination or more issues regarding uh, fair housing in suburbs than in the core urban city itself? You're probably seeing the same amount, which is probably surprising to your urban, your more suburban counties like Arapahoe County. Um, but then you have those same counties that just don't really report the negative things that are going on in their community. So you don't have a really good snapshot of what discrimination looks like in a county that is less um, urbanized mm-hmm. um, versus a city like Denver that knows they have a problem. It's every every single person from every single class has, has experienced it, so it's just kind of out there. It's something that they've been working with and dealing with for decades. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the problem, the, the rate of the problem is definitely the same. Mm-hmm. Um, whether we hear about it or not is much, much less um, because they don't have the same support in a county, for example, like Arapahoe County, that they do in Denver County. Now, are we talking about uh, renters or more r- renters or people looking to purchase a home, too, being uh, or facing or running into uh, discrimination issues? Both. So lending discrimination is more well hidden because there's so many different types. You can experience lending discrimination from your credit union or your bank. You can experience it from the housing. Right. They, they, they just don't want to Correct. G- you, give, you the, give you the loan or they make the, the interest rate higher. Or- they can make the process very difficult. They can be asking you for hundreds of documents where they wouldn't ask somebody else. They could be asking you for documents they know are difficult to obtain that are unnecessary to even apply for lending. They can deny you based on your income. Um, let's say you're on maternity leave from your job. Yeah. So you can't show recent income. They could say, you know what? You can't apply right now. You need to come back when you're back at work, which, by the way, is a fair housing violation. What are some of the typical things they're asking for that are just flat out illegal? That, that You generated that question when you said they asked for all this stuff. Uh, what What is the one uh, one or two leading things that they're asking for in in applications and people are running around trying to trying to find that is illegal. If you're a single person, um, a single woman or a single full-time student, and they're asking you for your income and they know you're a full-time student or a single woman working and they say you need a cosigner, that's going to be your number one flag to readdress them, be assertive, or call Denver Metro Fair Housing Center. A cosigner? A cosigner. For an apartment? For For an apartment because... You can't show that you earn enough income, and that's why you have that source of income policy now in the city of County of Denver, where they no landlord, whether it's affordable housing, tax credit, uh, private landlord, can discriminate on where your income comes from so long as it's income it's counted. I had heard about that when they were looking at sources of of income, and they don't like the source, so they were telling you no. Yeah. That can't happen. Or that, you know, you need three you need three times the amount of rent and we're not going to count your 
SSDI because we don't like that type of income or because it's not earned because you're not working for that income. Okay, SSDI mm-hmm. is? Uh, Social Security Disability Income. Versus a Social Security check. It could be either. They could say, you know what, we're not going to count any income that's just not earned. If you're just getting a check that's a benefits check and you're not going out and working for it, we're not going to count that income. And that is what landlords were saying. We're not going to count your SSI. We're not going to count your housing voucher. We're not going to count if mom is giving you and has been giving you regular financial assistance every month. But a Social Security check, and they're over 65. and They've they earned say, it. They, they say they, <laughs> they're not going to count. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you'd have complexes in Denver say, you know what, so for income we require you show that you make three times the rent. A person walks in and they have their SSI. Three times, three the, times rent. the rent. So Which in Denver right now. $1,500 a month for some one-bedroom apartments, and so therefore you got to show you make 4500 a month. 4500 a month for a one-bedroom market that's, rate. That's the 30% rule if you're going to buy. Mm-hmm. No, this is this is the requirements they have, and there's no rule or cap on what they what their income requirements are. Um, so you walk in there, you have your SSI, which is fifteen hundred. You have a housing voucher, which covers the other fifteen hundred. Yeah, uh, and you maybe work a part time job that covers the third fifteen hundred. Yeah, your landlord could say that third income that you work for counts, but those other two are benefit incomes. We're not going to count those. We're not going to accept those as sources of income. They'd have a real problem on me because as soon as they say benefit, I'm going, no, it's not. It's insurance. We've already paid for it. Already paid for. Yeah. Already worked for. Oh, goodness. I'm just, I'm dumbfounded at the creativity they keep coming up with. Mm-hmm. And, and there's also discrimination being leveled against uh, people with disabilities. Is it become some of these, is it because um, some of their properties are not accessible and they don't want them there because they may get sued that, oh, you know, the stairs should be this instead of that and a ramp instead. That happening as well? Um, sure. Uh, the the issue we run into with accessibility and disability is you have buildings that say, well, we're ADA compliant. Well, fair housing is more than ADA compliant. Yeah. Um, we rise above that. We agree that um, all dwellings should be accessible for the enjoyment of all people, but also that your unit you live in should be accessible for you. So if your countertops are too high, they should be lowered or you should be able to have access to a unit where the countertops are lower. Mm -hmm. And that's where you run into that comparison. So you'll hear a a complex say, well, we have three ADA compliant units, but they're full. So we're not going to lower the countertops in this other in in person number four's unit because we already have three units available. They'll just have to wait till one opens up or they'll have to move out. And we step in and say, no, their unit needs to be usable. It needs to be livable for their disability. Lower, you need to lower the countertops for them. And so, therefore, they try to discriminate against people with disabilities so they don't have to do the extra construction work to That's accommodate right. them. That's right. And so you use the word accommodate, and that is what it is. It's a reasonable accommodation. And we have been having major issues. That's a call we get every day. It's a call we had a really high call volume in April, which is Fair Housing Month, mm-hmm. um, on landlords and public housing authorities denying people with disabilities Wait a reasonable minute, public ac- housing authorities absolutely no De- oh yeah denying um, their tenants reasonable accommodations no yes I mean and they should know better they do know better public housing authorities yes they're writing the rules some other some other agency is writing the rules and then they're turning around and violating mm-hmm. yes oh that's amazing just amazing if somebody's going out and having to go find a place. 
to live now, and they have the time to do it, okay? What things should they look for first when the application comes to them? They're, they're sitting there and saying, well, here, fill out the application. What are, or, let me rephrase it. Are there red flags for consumers to look for to say, well, maybe I don't, I don't want to go here because because this guy is going to try to do this to discriminate against me? Yes, there are. Um, so we can start with something like um, yeah. a protected class, like a familial status protection. So familial status protects for children in a family or young people in a family under the age of 18. Okay. So a good red flag would be if you're a person walking in and the first thing they ask you are, how many people under 18 are going to be living in the unit? And you say four. And they don't show you a model unit. They immediately tell you what they don't have. They don't offer what might be an opening in three months. You know, maybe in two or three months we have a two or three bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have anything in your price range. Before you've said anything, all you've said wow. is I'm going to have four kids with me. And they've already determined what you can afford, where they think you, where they think you should live, mm-hmm. what you should have access to. That's that discouraging that that. um, So I often say that um, denial looks discrimination often looks like denial. So if you're just not getting any answers at all um, or if you are being cut off and not even offered an application, if they don't offer to give you a property tour, that's going to be your first red flag. So just look for good. Just look for really good or really bad customer service. Is there a place, probably a website someplace where (laughs) um, consumers can list their experiences that they're having. Maybe there isn't yet, but they're probably, I know with the airlines there yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, but. so, you know, HUD takes the complaints as well. We work with HUD very closely. We work with the Colorado Civil Rights Division. Yeah. But there's not, and they can file and log complaints with them as well online. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you're asking, like, is there a Yelp for landlords and whatnot? Yeah. There yeah. is something like that. You know, you have apartments.com, you have rentals.com where you can rate um, your landlord, you can rate complexes that you've tried to a- apply at um, in a market like Denver's, especially where housing is so tight. I don't know that people put a lot of eggs in that basket. I don't think that they look at a, a place that's rated for two stars and think, well, that I'm going to have that same experience. And, um, and then, of course, six months later, they're they're saying they're having those exact same experiences. So they really should go to some of these sites and, and check them out. When they're doing their uh, property search. Absolutely. Miss Dindy Wade, the Fair Housing Outreach Specialist for the Denver Metro Fair Housing Center, is our expert guest on this edition. Should you feel you have been a victim of housing discrimination, do contact the center at 720-279-4291. That's 720-279-4291. Or do it online via email at dmfhc at dmfhc.org. We'll continue our conversation with Ms. Dindy Wade on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. And we thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us. You have been listening to Mile High Magazine, a look at the issues and people shaping Colorado, presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. If you have a suggestion for a future program or a question, please send an email to publicaffairs at bonneville.com. Thanks for listening to Mile High Magazine.